So today our message is entitled, God's Sabbath Rest. When I heard about the people that are going to India, it made me happy to know that the Gospel Commission is still being carried to every nation, kindred, tongue, and people. And one of the distinctive messages of our faith, which is found in our operation of command, if you will, in Revelation chapter 14, in the three angels' message, and I'm just going to get right in because of the amount of time we have. Revelation chapter 14, verse 6, we see the Sabbath message. Verses 6 and 7, And I saw another angel fly in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel to preach unto them, that dwell on the earth and to every nation and kindred and tongue and people, saying with a loud voice, Fear God and give glory to Him, for the hour of His judgment is come, and worship Him that made heaven and earth and the sea and the fountains of waters. The point I want to focus on here is a message calling us to a judgment hour message, and a message reminding us of God as creator. Now, in the book of Revelation, there is another place where we have very similar language. This is found in Revelation chapter 10. Revelation chapter 10 is the the great chapter of the mighty angel Jesus coming down, clothed with a cloud, his feet as pillars of fire, having a little book open in his hand. And in verse 5 it says, And the angel which I saw stand upon the sea and upon the earth, lifted up his hand to heaven, and swear by him that liveth forever and ever, who created heaven and the things that therein are, and the earth and the things that therein are, and the sea and the things which are therein, that there should be time no longer. Now, there's two elements that are similar in Revelation 14 and Revelation 10. The first thing you can clearly see is that God is creator. He made heaven, he made earth, he made the sea. Revelation 14, Revelation 10, they're nearly identical in that passage. And then the other thing that is linked is the judgment hour message of Revelation 14 and the fact that time should be no longer in Revelation 10. And that's the same thing. In Revelation 10... It's the end of the 2300-day prophecy. How do I know that? Because Revelation 10 is based on the open book of Daniel and the fulfillment of the 2300-day prophecy. That's the end of prophetic time. And Revelation 14 then tells us the end of prophetic time is the beginning of the judgment hour message. And linked to that judgment hour message is a message reminding us of God as creator. Now, why is that important? Well, the importance is that Revelation 10, verse 6, and Revelation 14, verse 7, are quoting a passage in the Old Testament, which I'm, for, I'm sure all of you are familiar with. It's found in Exodus chapter 20, verses 8 through 11. Exodus chapter 20, verses 8 through 11, and especially in verse 11, but I'll read all the verses here. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days shalt thou labor and do all thy work. But the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord thy God. In it thou shalt not do any work. 
Thou, nor thy son, nor thy daughter, thy manservant, nor thy maidservant, nor thy cattle, nor thy stranger that is within thy gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that in them is, and rested the seventh day. Wherefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. Now if you look carefully, Revelation 14.7 and Revelation 10.6 are quoting that very line of thought from Exodus chapter 20, verse 11. This is important, and Bible scholars agree that Revelation 14 and Revelation 10 are in fact quoting Exodus chapter 20. Why is this important? Well, you have a judgment hour message reminding us that God is creator, and he's reminding us of his law, the Ten Commandments, and of all the commandments that he picked to remind us of, it happens to be the Sabbath commandment. From Exodus 20, verses 8 through 11, reminding us that the seventh day is the Sabbath. Now just to give a little bit of background, let's look at the immediate context of Exodus 20 and think about why God used the language he did to the children of Israel at this time. This is, of course, God speaking from Mount Sinai, giving the Ten Commandments. And he's telling the children of Israel, remember the Sabbath day. Why did God use the word remember to the children of Israel? Well, it's pretty simple. They had been in 400 years of slavery in Egypt. And essentially, God's people, the children of Israel, had forgotten about the seventh-day Sabbath. In their slavery, they were forced to work on the Sabbath, and it became just another day to them, a day that they did common work. And so of all the commandments in the Ten Commandments, the one that, it, that God says especially to remember is the fourth commandment. And for the children of Israel, it was because they had forgotten And it's interesting to look at how God led the children of Israel to this Sabbath message. He led them in a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. You can read about that in Exodus chapter 13. And after they passed through the Red Sea, they came to Marah and had a very bitter experience. They came to the water and the water was bitter and it did not satisfy their thirst. After that, and that's in Exodus 15, after that, in Exodus 16, God teaches them about the Sabbath. And we'll look at this again later on. But Exodus 16, 25 and 26. Then in Exodus chapter 20, he teaches them about the Ten Commandments. And in Exodus 20, he says, Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. After that, in Exodus 25, God takes them to the sanctuary. Exodus 25, 8. Let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them. What's interesting to me is that you can see a very clear parallel between how God led the children of Israel in the Old Testament to a knowledge of the Sabbath and the sanctuary. And in a similar manner, he did that to his people of our day, leading us to a knowledge of the seventh-day Sabbath again and of the sanctuary message. And look at it again carefully in Revelation 10. Just as he did in Exodus 25, Jesus the mighty angel comes down clothed in a cloud. 
just like he was in a pillar of cloud to the children of Israel. His feet are as pillars of fire. And after Jesus comes down clothed with a cloud, at the end of Revelation 10, the Adventists have a very bitter experience known as the Great Disappointment, similar to the bitter experience of Mara that the Israelites had in the wilderness. And after that, there's the Sabbath message in Revelation 10, verse 6 and 14, 7. And finally, in Revelation 11:19, we have the sanctuary message, and I'll just read that briefly. In Revelation 11:19, it says, The temple of God was opened in heaven, and there was seen in his temple the ark of his testament. And that's pointing us especially to the most holy place of the heavenly sanctuary. And that can be found in Exodus chapter 26, verses 33 and 34. Now, it's interesting. When God in the Ten Commandments said to the children of Israel, remember the Sabbath day, he needed to say that because they had forgotten through all their years of slavery. And when the Adventists discovered the Sabbath message again in the 1840s, the phrase, remember the Sabbath day, was appropriate again. And why was that? Because the Sabbath had again been forgotten through the 1260 years um, of the Dark Ages, the, the time in which God's law was, had been attempted to be changed, and Sunday had been given preeminence. And so again, when Adventists who believed in the near soon returning of Jesus looked at the Ten Commandments, they saw, remember the Sabbath day. They had forgotten. Now, it's an interesting story how the Sabbath message came into existence. There was a widow by the name of Rachel Oaks, and her husband had recently passed away, and her 18-year-old daughter, Delight, had gone to teach school in Washington, New Hampshire. Now, Rachel Oaks, through her own study of the Bible, had come to the belief that the seventh day was the Sabbath and that the Christian world of her time did not properly understand when the Sabbath was. She was just one person. But even though she was the only person in all the world that she knew of, she kept the Sabbath holy. And so she would keep every seventh day holy, as the Bible says. And then on Sunday, she would go for fellowship with her Christian friends to the church in Washington, New Hampshire. And what's interesting is one Sunday, a pastor by the name of Frederick Willer came to speak at this church. He was one of their visiting pastors who they knew pretty well. And during the course of the sermon that particular Sunday, Pastor Willer said, we need to keep all ten commandments. Now, Rachel Oaks almost felt like getting up out of her seat and telling him that he was not keeping all Ten Commandments. But she kept her peace, didn't say anything. And then Pastor Willer actually came over to her house and Delight's house, her daughter, just to visit. And she said to Pastor Willer, how can you preach that we must keep all Ten Commandments if you're breaking one of them all the time? Now that kind of took him back. He's like, what are you talking about? I... 
I'm keeping the commandments. And he actually kept Sunday holy. Um, And there she shared with him the truth of the Sabbath. And it had an impact. He accepted the Sabbath message. And he shared this Sabbath message with someone by the name of Pastor Thomas M. Preble. Thomas Preble ended up writing a tract. And this tract was published in February of 1845, and it said, the title of it is Tract Showing That the Seventh Day Should Be Observed as the Sabbath. So that pretty much gives you an idea of what the tract was all about. Thomas Preble had gotten this from Frederick Willer, who had gotten this from Rachel Oaks, one woman who was the only person she knew of keeping the Sabbath. Interestingly enough, Joseph Bates, one of the pioneers of the Adventist church, read this tract by Thomas Preble. He accepted the Sabbath message. He shared this message with James and Ellen White. They were at first resistant, then they accepted it. And Joseph Bates was very fervent about this message. And in November of 1846, 160 years ago now, he went to Rochester, New York, and met with Hiram Edson. Hiram Edson, of course, was the person on the day after October 22 who it was revealed to him that Jesus had entered the most holy place of the heavenly sanctuary. And Joseph Bates shared with Hiram Edson the truth of the Sabbath message. And after he was done, Hiram Edson said, this is the truth, I believe it, and he changed. And he started worshiping on the seventh-day Sabbath. But Hiram Edson had something that Joseph Bates didn't have. He had the knowledge of the sanctuary message, and he shared that with Joseph Bates. And Joseph Bates then accepted the sanctuary message. And that's how this Adventist message, this Sabbath and sanctuary message, came together. And it all started with one person, a widow, who, to her knowledge, she was the only one in the whole world that kept the seventh day as the Sabbath. And God used her to share that message with others. And whenever you think that you're just one person and that you really don't have much of an impact, think of that story. Because you really can have an impact on people's lives if you allow God to speak through you. When you stand with God for his truth, he will honor you and bless you. So I always like that story. Now, what's interesting is that the rise of the Advent movement with the Sabbath message is prophesied in the book of Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 11, verses 10 through 12. Turn with me there. Isaiah chapter 11, verses 10 through 12. And in that day there shall be a root of Jesse, which shall stand for an ensign of the people. To it shall the Gentiles seek, and his rest shall be glorious. And it shall come to pass in that day that the Lord shall set his hand again the second time to recover the remnant of his people, which shall be left from Assyria and from Egypt and from Pathros and from Cush and from Elam and from Shinar and from Hamath and from the islands of the sea. Verse 12, And he shall set up an ensign for the nations, and shall assemble the outcasts of Israel, and gather together the dispersed of Judah from the four corners of the earth. 
Now, the key in this passage is that he will set up an ensign. If you look at the Hebrew meaning for this word, it actually means sign or banner. And this is actually talking about the Sabbath. And how do I know that? If you look at Exodus chapter 31, verses 16 and 17. Exodus chapter 31, verses 16 and 17. Wherefore, the children of Israel shall keep the Sabbath to observe the Sabbath throughout their generations for a perpetual covenant. It is a sign between me and the children of Israel forever. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, and on the seventh day he rested and was refreshed. So the Sabbath is a sign. It's a perpetual covenant. Perpetual means forever. And this Sabbath message as we saw in Isaiah 11, it, God talks about recovering the remnant of his people the second time. The first time was the nation of Israel. The second time is the great Advent movement that was raised up in 1844. Now, what other signs, or what other significance does the Sabbath have? It's a sign that God has created, but it means more than that. Now, in the last 10 minutes or so of this message, I'm going to look at some important things that we should consider when we think about what the Sabbath means for us. First of all, Ezekiel chapter 20, verses 12 and 20. Ezekiel chapter 20, verses 12 and 20. Moreover also I gave them my Sabbaths to be a sign between me and them, that they might know that I am the Lord that sanctify them, in verse 20, and hallow my Sabbath, and they shall be assigned between me and you, that ye may know that I am the Lord your God. So the Sabbath is not only a sign of God as creator, it's a sign of sanctification. It's a sign of our walk between God and how we relate to him. Now, the Sabbath day is a holy day. The Bible clearly says so. In Exodus 20, it says, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Now, if you look at Exodus chapter 22, verse 31, um, the first part of that verse is, ye shall be holy men unto me. So what that's telling me is, is that the Sabbath day is a holy day to be kept by holy people. And that's what God wants us to be today. And I came across an interesting quote in Desire of Ages, page 283. And this whole chapter is on the Sabbath, so I would encourage you to read that. Desire of Ages, page 283, it says, No other institution which was committed to the Jews tended so fully to distinguish them from surrounding nations as did the Sabbath. God designed that its observance should designate them as his worshipers. It was to be a token of their separation from idolatry and their connection with the true God. Now listen to this. But in order to keep the Sabbath holy, men must themselves be holy. Through faith, they must become partakers of the righteousness of Christ. So the Sabbath is not just a once a, a week day that we put everything aside 
and don't really change anything else. Think about it this way. The Sabbath is a sign of sanctification. God wants us to live sanctified lives, not just one day a week, but seven days a week. Amen? So when we come to the seventh day Sabbath, it should be a reflection of what our experience with God has been all week long. It's a day set apart especially for God, but all week long, our lives are committed to God completely. Now, I'm going to tell a story about myself when I was a little kid, and I hope that as I tell this story, think about yourself. Don't think about anyone else and, and how this could apply to them. Think about yourself, because that's what I'm doing. When I was 10, 12, 14 years old, I was a huge sports fan. And all summer long especially, I would be very much into following my favorite team and hoping that they would win the game and and eventually win first place and win the World Series or the championship or whatever sport it was. And when Sabbath came, of course, you turn the TV off and... You don't know who's winning and who won the game and that sort of thing. So I'd go to church, and my family always sat right on the front row of my home church. And I'd be sitting there as a good kid, not acting up, listening to the sermon. But guess where my mind was? My mind was wandering off, thinking about my favorite team, hoping that they won the game on Friday night. And I wonder what's happening right now. It's about... Starting, starting time right now, just as the preacher's wrapping up his sermon. Now, that was not keeping Sabbath holy. Now, no one would have known. No one could have t- been able to tell. I was sitting there behaving well, acting like I was listening to the sermon. But you know what that was a reflection of? That was a reflection of where my heart was all week long. And think about your Sabbath experience. How is your relationship with God on the Sabbath day? Because in many ways, the way you relate to God on Sabbath is a reflection of your experience with Him all week long. And that's why God wants holy people to keep the Sabbath day holy. Now, there's some specific instructions that God gave to the children of Israel. And the first example is found in Exodus chapter 16. And I'm just going to hit a few points here. Exodus chapter 16 verses 25 through 28. And the context of this is the manna that God provided for the children of Israel. It was provided for six days, but on the seventh day it was not found. Moses said, Eat that today, for today is a Sabbath unto the Lord. Today ye shall not find it in the field. Six days ye shall gather it, but on the seventh day, which is the Sabbath, in it there shall be none. And it came to pass that there went out some of the people on the seventh day for to gather, and they found none. And the Lord said unto Moses, How long refuse ye to keep my commandments and my laws? So God gives clear instruction to the children of Israel here. Six days, 
go out and gather your food. But on the sixth day, gather a double portion, and on the seventh day, take a Sabbath rest. He was very clear, but yet there were some Israelites who still went out on the seventh day to gather their food. And we can see that God was not happy about that. Um, There's another passage in Scripture that's quite interesting. Nehemiah chapter 13, verses 15 through 22. And this is after Nehemiah had helped to rebuild the wall of Jerusalem and he had had to go back to the kingdom and now he's come back a second time to Jerusalem. And I'll actually start in... um, yeah, verse 15. In those days saw I in Judah some treading wine presses on the Sabbath and bringing in sheaves and lading asses as also wine, grapes, and figs and all manner of burdens, which they brought into Jerusalem on the Sabbath day. And I testified against them in the day wherein they sold, sold victuals. Then verse 17. Then I contended with the nobles of Judah and said unto them, What evil thing is this that ye do and profane the Sabbath day? Did not your fathers thus, and did not our God bring all this evil upon us and upon this city? Yet ye bring more wrath upon Israel by profaning the Sabbath. And it came to pass that when the gates of Jerusalem began to be dark before Sabbath, I commanded that the gates should be shut and charged that they should not be opened till after the Sabbath. And some of my servants set I at the gates that there should be no burden be brought in on the Sabbath day. And so... Nehemiah had to do a work of reform for Sabbath-keeping among God's people. They had forgotten the importance of the holiness of the Sabbath day. And on, on Sabbath, it really is a holy day. It's a day that we, we stay home from work, we rest in God, and we leave the things that we do on the six days of work Aside, when we come to that seventh day of rest. Because when we have a true experience with God, and as we come to an understanding, maybe perhaps for the first time, of what Sabbath observance is, we want to lay aside everything from the week when we come to that seventh day Sabbath. Now, sometimes I wonder, when I read the story about Nehemiah, if we wouldn't benefit from a Nehemiah coming in and re-educating our minds about the importance of the sacredness of Sabbath. Um, It's become almost acceptable and fashionable to eat out at restaurants on Sabbath, to pay, buy meals, buy gas, so we can go off 100 miles away to do something. Um, And we have six days to prepare We have six days to get our food ready for the Sabbath. And if we plan ahead, and we make a habit of planning ahead, then we will be able to be ready when that time comes. Now, I'm going to read a a couple of quotes. This is from Testimonies, Volume 6, page 353 and 354. And this is a whole section on Sabbath keeping. If you've never read it, I'd encourage you to look through it. But I thought this was nice. Um, In this quote, it says, All through the week... We are to have the Sabbath in mind and be making preparation to keep it according to the commandment. We are not merely to observe the Sabbath as a legal matter. We are to understand its spiritual bearing upon all the transactions of life. 
All who regard the Sabbath as a sign between them and God, showing that he is the God who sanctifies them, will represent the principles of his government. They will bring into daily practice the laws of his kingdom. Daily it will be their prayer that the sanctification of the Sabbath may rest upon them. Every day they will have companionship of Christ and will exemplify the perfection of his character. Every day their light will shine forth to others in good works. And there's a lot of other things in that chapter talking about how we should have our baths and food and all of that prepared before sundown on Friday night. And I'm not, I don't have time to go into all of that now. But the reason that this message is important for us, proper Sabbath-keeping, Sabbath is because at the end of time, the issue of the Sabbath is going to be an issue between those who follow God and those who don't. And there's the issue of the mark of the beast in Revelation 13. And there's the issue of the seal of God and how the Sabbath is tied to that. And in Isaiah chapter 58, as we close, God prophesies of a group of people who will help restore the true significance of the seventh-day Sabbath in the last days. Isaiah chapter 58, verses 12 through 14. And they that shall be of thee shall build the old waste places. Thou shalt raise up the foundations of many generations, and thou shalt be called the repairer of the breach, the restorer of paths to dwell in. There's been a breach in God's law. And God has called a group of people to raise up the foundation of the many generations before who kept his law, who kept the Sabbath. And verses 13 and 14 tell us especially, If thou turn away thy foot from the Sabbath, from doing thy pleasure on my holy day, and call the Sabbath a delight, the holy of the Lord honorable, and shalt honor him, not doing thine own ways, nor finding thine own pleasure, nor, nor speaking thine own words, then shalt thou delight thyself in the Lord, And I will cause thee to ride upon the high places of the earth and feed thee with the heritage of Jacob thy father, for the mouth of the Lord hath spoken it. A special blessing is promised to those of us who help to raise up the foundation again of this Sabbath message. We will ride on the high places of the earth. We will be fed with the heritage of Jacob. And I don't know about you, but that's something I want to experience. Now, When I think about proper Sabbath keeping, one way to look at it is to look at it as a list of rules that keep us from doing what we really want to do. But if you have a true experience with God and you enter into a day of rest where you have a holy day set aside apart for him completely, where you've prepared right, you've done everything because you love him, the Sabbath day will be so special that you'll look forward to it all week long, every week. It won't come as a last-minute surprise where you're rushing around trying to throw things together and make sure the house is all together and just at the last second at sundown you just barely finish. It's going to be something that as we look forward to it all week long, when it comes, we'll be ready to meet that seventh-day Sabbath every week.
And so as I prepared for this message, it challenged me that I, I need to do better in thinking about preparing for the Sabbath all week long. And one application, and I'll close with this. The Sabbath is a holy day to be kept by holy people. We have six days to get ready for it every week. So the question we need to ask ourselves personally is, am I ready for Sabbath when the Sabbath comes? Why is that important? Because God is looking for a people that will be ready for him when he comes. And being ready for Sabbath is a good test for seeing if we're ready for Jesus to come. Because the Sabbath is a holy day to be kept by holy people. And when Jesus comes the second time, he's coming for holy people that are ready to meet him. They won't be scurrying around at the last minute trying to throw things together to get their lives in order. They're going to be ready. They've made it a habit of serving God every day. And so if we learn that habit of communion with God, of entering into God's Sabbath rest, and preparing for the seventh-day Sabbath, six days, and doing that every day, and then on the sixth day especially preparing, the Sabbath won't catch us by surprise when it comes. And so I encourage you to think about those things on this Sabbath day. I pray that today, this Sabbath, will especially be a wonderful Sabbath day of rest, that you'll have true communion with God, true rest with Him, and experience the joy that He wants for you to have in Him today. So let's have a word of prayer to close. Father in heaven, thank you so much for the Sabbath message and for this one day a week that you have given to us where we can set aside the cares of this life, where we can put that all out of our mind and come and rest in you. I thank you so much that you have given this message to us at the very end of time, that it's part of the first angel's message, reminding us that you are creator, that you are the sanctifier, that you recreate in our hearts a new life. And so be with us throughout the rest of this Sabbath day. Help us to keep it holy and help us to keep you in our minds in all that we do. And may we be ready when you come. I pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.